where my parents are. It's super, literally what you would think of mountain people vibes, you know, that Mm -hmm. show it's like mountain living. And he's telling me that the roads are super slippery. And he's like, yeah, there's ice out there and it's slicker than owl poop. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Like, (laughs) what does that even mean? That's a new one. Stick it in your back pocket. (laughs) Save it for later. Oh, yeah. That will make an occurrence in a conversation. (laughs) Oh, God. My dad has a lot of strange Southern isms and my siblings and I always have this sort of ongoing joke of who can get him to say one of them first when we're all together. (laughs) A classic is that's the hot ticket. We get that one a lot. Oh, (laughs) You, you have to do this or you have to get that. That's the hot ticket. So we like to call everything the hot ticket. Yeah, I've never heard that. So I'm going to have to start using that one also. It's all yours. <laughs> Whew. All right. Well, that was a hoot and a holler. Great intro. How awful is my voice right now? It's a little crusty. I'm not going to lie. Holy Toledo. It just sounds like you need to clear your throat. (laughs) I've tried. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, sis, it's just not working. Do you have hot water? I'm literally going to throw some water in the microwave. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, it's fine. Okay. Welcome back to another episode of And Here's Why. We're discussing how a woman from the Midwest got way more than she bargained for when she moves to New York and becomes an assistant to none other than Satan herself. The Devil Wears Prada began as a best-selling novel and was transformed into a film that inspires both terror and a measure of awe. Paige and I aren't the only ones with real feelings for fictional works. These works of art leave us with a lot to unpack. But as luck would have it, we have a special guest joining us today, actress and producer Megan McGowan. Well, hello. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm Megan. I'm an actress and I dabble in producing. I'm based in Los Angeles. I live with my husband and my Yorkie, Harley, who I'm obsessed with. And I love fashion, which is how I ended up choosing Devil Wears Prada because fashion is actually how I ended up acting in in the entertainment industry. That was sort of my avenue in. I thought I was going to go to New York and go to Parsons and do that whole world. And then I got swept up in the world of acting and fell in love with it and was like, like, you know what? Someday I will just play a fashion designer in a movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, I love that. I know that hasn't awesome. happened yet, but that's what we're shooting for. Oh, <laughs> I would say the most common thing people would know me from is Big Bang Theory. Wait, what? Yes, I. <laughs> if you've seen an episode about Raj finding a missing drone and returning it to the, uh, I feel conceited saying the pretty girl, but that is what. Yes, anyway, um, that's the whole point of story. <laughs> Guest starred, co-starred on a few different shows. I did this really fun Lifetime movie called Mommy Be Mine, where I got run over by a Range Rover. So that's oh my twist. gosh! Spoiler alert! I thought you, know. you were gonna say reindeer. No, <laughs> but that was actually a a commonly sung thing. Was Tori got run over by a Range Rover? That was a nice little. <laughs> song we came up with i'm gonna have to watch this now because i love a good lifetime movie we are one in the same yes they are they are an addiction to say the least I don't know about you guys, but I have very detailed notes for Devil Wears Prada. Like I went pretty in on this because I have a lot of feelings. I'm going to say our notes aren't as in-depth as yours, but I'm still ready. Let's do it. Well, did did either of you read the book? No. A long time ago, but the movie has been seen many a time. 
Yeah, the book is in itself just a whole other beast, but the movie, I mean, is it appropriate to call it like a cult classic? It's old enough now, right? Like, I feel like it's earned that title. It's stuck around this long. 2006? Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Yep. 2006. So 15 years now? Yeah. Oh, that's got to be a cult classic. (laughs) I'm no math whiz, but... I mean, it was the same era as, like, Mean Girls, right? Ooh, true. Yep. I was reading this, and I thought of you, Lauren, because I was reading about how they actually, before the manuscript was even finished, they were already, like, working on making it a movie or whatever. That's insane. Like, I thought of you, like, you know, your book's not quite done yet. Can you imagine, like, you're not even done, it's not even been published or anything? anything and everyone's like yes we're making a movie out of this how wild would that be that that's the dream first and (laughs) foremost but also just the fact that the author worked for Vogue like she was Andy it's loosely based off of her experiences yeah basically her Miranda which was the Miranda of Vogue in real life it's just it's so funny I was reading up on just you know the release of this movie and everything and it was such a hot topic in the fashion world when word got out about this book and this movie that the only fashion fashion designer that agreed to do a cameo was Valentino. All the other ones were like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not touching that with a nine-foot pole. Are you kidding me? You're going after like the head exec of Vogue. No. And it was kind of a funny moment where the Miranda of Vogue, I'm going to keep calling her that because I don't know the name. I think her name's like Nicole or something. I thought it was Anne something. Anna Wintour. Yeah. Yeah, that woman. She actually showed up to the movie premiere head to toe dressed in Prada. (gasps) Oh, I love that. I got page vibes from that. I'm like, that is (laughs) passive aggressive (laughs) to a T. Oh, for sure. If that's not the most me thing, I don't know what is. Oh, I love it. No, this movie, it's so crazy that it is such like a staple piece, I feel like, because I remember going to the movies like when this came out, I was like eight and like just being at the movies. And I remember seeing the poster and I just was like, whoa, that looks kind of spicy. But like little did I know, because at that age, I'm like too young to like really get it and watch something like that. Like I was probably there to see like Ice Age or something. I don't know. But (laughs) I remember the poster and it spoke to me even as an eight-year-old girl. Well, yeah, the poster is just iconic. It's just a giant bright red heel with... The pitchfork. Yep. (laughs) It's iconic. (laughs) Megan, what made you choose this movie? Because I'm assuming it's got to be one of your favorites. It is. It's one of my favorite movies. It was a breakout role for a lot of these people. And it was such an iconic movie, like you said, in the fashion industry. And I I don't know. I was just, I've always been drawn to fashion. I loved that it was kind of this inside look at that world, especially when you're like a little girl in Texas who thinks she's going to go work at Vogue. It's like the coolest thing ever. So yeah, it, 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 like you said, it spoke to me. And then I just haven't stopped watching it. I mean, it's been 15 years and I could still turn this movie on right now and not be bored of it. And I think (laughs) those are the movies that just, you know, stick with us. 
I forgot how much I liked this movie because I haven't seen it in quite a while. I've seen it many times, but it's been it's been a minute. And I forgot about just all of like the weird weight loss comments yeah. and tendencies. Like yeah. that was very eye-opening. Most of Emily's character, that's all she would really be concerned about. That in Paris. Yeah. <laughs> Nigel made a comment to Andy towards the end of the movie about her like going from a size six to a size four or something and like making a huge deal out of that I was just like ooh, this is kind of triggering yeah (laughs) yeah it's some of those things that like nowadays we have so much more awareness about yeah the Britney Spears documentary I watched that last night and it's the same thing like you look at all these girls and like how much pressure they had during the early 2000s for like their weight and their body type and you look at how skinny like Christina Aguilera was and it's like Mm. whoa we don't we don't do that anymore. <laughs> and thank yeah. God. Right? <laughs> if anything, it's like just totally switched. It's all about curvy and bodacious. Totally. Well, and I was thinking about that. Like I went on my explore feed. I've been at home for days now, um, so I'm bored. And I was in my <laughs> explore feed looking through stuff Every other picture I came across is one of those photos where it's like a girl posed perfectly and then right beside it, it's one minute later, you know, and she's not posed. And so her body's got like rolls here and stuff like that. And I just feel like that's becoming so common. And it's just bizarre, you know, for people to share photos of themselves. I feel like I'm still stuck on like, not that I think people have to look a certain way, but I'm just so used to seeing these perfectly posed pictures where people are in good angles and good lighting and it's just becoming so common for people to share like these raw pictures and I'm here for it because we're all at the end of the day only human so you know promote that I'm here for it it's just great to see it makes me feel better about myself (laughs) totally (laughs) naps to that yes Well, and that kind of dives right into one of like the bigger themes that annoyed me. I'm going to say kind of a hot take. I don't know if you guys share the same feeling. I did not love Nate's character. Oh, same. The boyfriend. Same. I really just from like past experiences watching it, I'm like, wow, good guy Nate. Like he's so (laughs) like he takes her back and stuff. But you know what? No, I'm kind of pissed because she's working at a fashion magazine and people are very heavily influenced about their surroundings he makes so many jabs at her for like looking nice he's being such a baby about like I get it it's gonna be tough not being able to see your significant other she's super busy for work but homeboy it's it's a year preach like it's a year then literally every single door will be open for your significant other just at the end I hated how it was like oh but move in with me because I'm gonna follow my dream since you quit your dream that rubbed me the (laughs) wrong way I'm like listen I have I have some feelings about Nate as well I agree with all of that I, I think the thing about Nate that's interesting is I almost feel like he had the right intentions, but he needed like a little therapy. Um, (laughs) Because I get it. Andy forgot his birthday and like has completely changed into this different person. So like if your significant other forgot your birthday and is like becoming this completely different person. Yeah, like that that's reason to be kind of like pissed, right? Like I'd be like, who are you? What are you doing? (laughs) And there's one line where he says, this isn't you, you know, you've turned into this person that you used to make fun of. So I think the real issue is that they weren't communicating well, because 
it probably was time for them to break up. But rather than doing it, Andy was not communicating. She was not being clear in her feelings and intentions and like, hey, I have this really great thing going and I need to pursue it. So Nate was just left in the dark. But then Nate got all like passive aggressive about it when really he could have stood up and been like, hey, I don't think we're going in the same place. But then we wouldn't have a movie. So, you know. Yeah. In a relationship like that, you know, you have to be willing to grow with one another, especially at such young ages, you know, and this is like a huge moment for both their careers and stuff. And you have to be willing to do that growth. But at the same time, I could understand too why he would be so upset because if Nathan forgot my birthday, oh, literally, I feel (laughs) so sorry. Like, hell hath no wrath, like Paige, (laughs) if someone forgets her birthday, okay? It was the snide comments at the beginning Mm. for me. Yes. And if anyone was supposed to get that iconic, I'm not your baby line, (laughs) it's Nate. Yes. Tis Nate. That's true. Because like at the end of the day, like don't you want to see the person that you say you love more than anything to accomplish their dreams, you know, and like achieve big things? It's like, yeah, along the way, could she have done it better? Heck yeah. But at the end of the day, like if you love someone, you're gonna want to see them happy. You know, whether that's with you or without you. I think that's something that people think they want. And then once it starts happening, they're like, oh, (laughs) Oh, I think it's back. True. But yeah, I mean, I agree. The snide comments and and especially like his not willing to grow with her. It's like, okay, well then move on because like you shouldn't be holding this girl back. Right. Don't talk about it. Be about it. And I couldn't even imagine like just being in that environment, getting all of those gifts. Are you kidding me? Of course that would all get to my head. Uh, Yeah. I'm getting things that aren't even on shelves yet or are sold (laughs) out of shelves for free simply because the head exec doesn't want them. Like, yes, yes, please. Yes, Like, I can't imagine. I feel so bad when I get something like a hot item at TJ Maxx. So I can't imagine (laughs) what it would be like (laughs) to live in that world. Just the fact that this woman pulls so much weight where she's like, get the Harry Potter manuscript to my girls before it's released. Oh my gosh. If I had a sliver of that power, I would be the happiest woman alive. You'd be very dangerous. (laughs) Can I just say that that scene gives me anxiety every time because I just sit there and I'm like, I want to say I'd pull an Andy and be like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I can do this. But I really think I'd just be fetal and Emily would be like, you can quit now. (laughs) I mean, just the idea, especially with how big of an author JK is, just to be like, hey, get the book that she hasn't released yet and also make two copies because I have twins. So (laughs) just just do that and you have until 3 p.m. I'd be like, and here's my resignation. It's been great. Not really, but we'll pretend. But she does it. Oh, I would die. I would literally die. But I guess if you're Miranda Priestly and you're J.K. Rowling and Miranda Priestly's like, hey, I want your book, you'd probably be like, yes, please put it in runway. Thank you. I don't know if JK ever found out about that because it was someone, the fashion boyfriend guy just knew someone. Yes, he knew someone that made the cover art for her book. So he was like, I secretly got a copy. I don't know if they ever tell the author about that. That's true. I'd be pissed. I'd be like, don't leak my shit. No. That's fair. That's fair. (laughs) 
Well, can we talk about the greatest tragedy of the movie? Oh, boy. Nigel's betrayal. (laughs) Okay. I love Nigel. I don't know your thoughts towards him, but I love him. And him being betrayed was literally, I felt personally attacked. So. Yeah. Yes. Stanley Tucci, a.k.a. Caesar from Hunger Games. (laughs) The Hunger Games. So extra on all accounts. And I'm obsessed. Yes. He was by far my favorite character, Nigel. Oh, I thought you meant Caesar, because same also. Oh, well, yeah. Stanley Tucci in every movie (laughs) is like my favorite character. But mm, what really broke my heart is that he was like, oh, she'll make it up to me. And Anne Hathaway's like, you really think so? And he's like, no. (laughs) Yeah. What? And you're just going to willingly like keep putting yourself on the line here? Uh Uh-uh, that ain't me. Well, and he gives Andy the whole makeover. Granted, he does call her by her guys, which is like a little, mm, but also we'll give him grace because it was 2006. Yeah, he didn't know any better. Right. We're still learning these things that (laughs) should have been basic knowledge, but it's okay. (laughs) But yes, he's so lovable and he really, as much as he doesn't want to, you can tell he really takes her under his wing and is like, okay, little puppy, let me show you the way. He did way more for her than Emily ever did. Exactly. And and what does he say? He says something like, it's time for Chanel. And then he just like decks her out. Okay, now Chanel, you're in desperate need of Chanel. Ugh, I love it. Same. Can someone Chanel me, please? Right? And speaking of which, why is this movie just adult princess diaries? Okay, yes. Wow. That's a valid point, but I also love that movie. So do we see a theme here? (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, it's phenomenal. We love a good makeover, but literally she came looking just as frumpy as, you know, Miss Princess of (laughs) Genovia pre-makeover. And I'm like, was she typecast? (laughs) Maybe it's Mia undercover trying to be like a regular teen again. Ooh. I was really, it's funny you say that. I was really fishing on the internet for some conspiracy theory that really she was like <laughs> Mia Thermopolis, but nobody, wow. nobody took to that. Maybe so. you've got to write it. Maybe you have a whole thing you need to get going here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll start the fan fiction and then hopefully get published from that. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> have you guys been seeing the Emily in Paris memes with Emily from Devil Wears Prada? I love it. <laughs> The only Emily who belongs in Paris. <laughs> yes, that's the one. I was dying. I forgot that she got hit by a car. So when that happened in the movie, I was like, so that's why she's not going to Paris. Just a, It's really irrelevant information. That's why you forgot. Just a casual car hit. It's fine. It's like one of those moments where you're like, is this karma or do I feel bad for you? I don't know. <laughs> Although honestly, y'all, I'm a big Emily fan. I know she's a bitch, but I'm a big Emily fan. I just think she she works hard and she knows what she wants. And like, I respect that. She's a bitch, but I respect it, you know? No, I get yeah. that. Like, you have to give credit where credit's due. I wish we would have gotten just a little bit more from her at the end, like with that final phone call between her and Andy. I wish she would have like, because I know that their whole thing has been just sort of snarky back and forth but then obviously when she hangs up the phone she's like you've got big shoes to fill (laughs) 
but I wish she would have said something to that degree over the phone. Obviously, she was very like short and sarcastic and Andy knew that she meant it in like an endearing way. The camera pans over to Emily and she's like smiling and I'm like, honey, she cannot see your smile on the other end of that phone. Like you need to give her something like a thank you. I don't know. I was offended, but no, Emily is a great character. She had such good one-liners like, no, shan't. (laughs) I'm using that in real life. I think one of my favorite Emily moments is when she's got her headache and her head's on the desk and she's like holding her hand up with the chatty hand and she's like, I'm hearing this and I want to hear this. And she like moves her (laughs) hand and then stops. Like that is an iconic moment because I feel that way with people sometimes. Oh yeah. Yep, yep, yep. But we can't all bring Emily's energy into real life as much as we want to. Yeah, I wouldn't get away with it. That's for sure. Yeah, it's not socially acceptable, but we wish it were. Right. It's fun to watch. I just can't (laughs) imagine. I feel like they did such a great job casting each person in this film. Like I was reading an article on some people that they were going to cast, but like didn't want the part. Like, can you imagine Rachel McAdams as Andy? Because no, no, right? I'm like, I just wouldn't have got the same feelings. So I feel like they did a really good job with that. I highly doubt Anne Hathaway is ever going to hear this, so I'm just going to speak my truth. Um, <laughs> I don't know what it is about her where she can like go from one extreme to the other. Poor her, but also in both Princess Diaries and this movie, she plays like a little gremlin. Homely. Yeah. So well, yeah. And then all of a sudden she just turns into this like supermodel how bravo you deserve an oscar for that i feel that i'm like okay i'm already on the homely end so like can someone come (laughs) help me with that because i'm at my extreme but i want to go to the opposite um if i could receive your mouth you have not seen me this week okay (laughs) i hate you it's time for chanel (laughs) (laughs) yeah Speaking of, did you see that the budget for outfits for this movie was over a million dollars? I believe it. I did not. What I couldn't imagine is pulling so much weight in Hollywood that these people went to Meryl and they're like, hey, we literally wrote this part for you. And she's like, oh, it's really great. But if you want me, you're going to double my salary. And they were like, done. I suck at negotiating too. So if someone came to me, I'd be like, yeah, this is great. Thanks so much for the opportunity. (laughs) Like I can't imagine having that kind of authority. Yeah, that would be awesome. That that would be really cool to be able to be like, "Mm, let me think about it. Mm, No. Double my salary. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess she was sort of a method actor in that when they like first started filming, she looked at Anne and she said, I think you're perfect for this part, but that's the last nice thing I'm going to say to you. Oh. And so she really took to the whole frenemies thing. Not even really frenemies as much as I hate you, but also love you. (laughs) Can you imagine like being able to live your life like that? I feel like maybe I'm just such a nice person, not to toot my own horn, but I feel like I'm so sweet to everyone. And just imagining acting like that towards someone, it's unfathomable. (laughs) Like I just can't even comprehend what it would be like to just speak to someone like that, but like mean it, you know what I mean? And she can get away with it, but you know, that's just crazy. Megan, have you ever had to play like a mean girl a part that you were super not uncomfortable with but maybe it was something unfamiliar to you the lifetime movie i was actually like the really sarcastic bitchy best friend so that was 
different because I don't like to think of myself that way. But yeah, so I mean, that was, honestly, I have to say, and I actually read that Meryl Streep had a lot of anxiety before playing this role because she didn't like being the villain, like she didn't like being mean. I have to say, I actually enjoy it. And maybe that's terrible. But I feel like because <laughs> that's so not me, it's like the one chance in my life to just like say the things that I wish I could say to somebody. But I... <laughs> absolutely do not have like the confidence or the desire to do so but it feels good it's kind of therapeutic I agree with that Megan I totally I'm smelling what you're stepping in I get that yeah oh god we're back to Al <laughs> <laughs> All right, dad. It's that or I'm picking up what you're putting down. But I felt I like, like smelling what you're stepping in was more appropriate after what we've discussed today. So. I love it. But no, I get that because do you ever just have those thoughts like maybe, you know, you did something weird today and then like you're just sitting in the shower later and you're like, man, why did I say that? Or why did I do that? Because that is so me. I'm like, oh, like, why didn't I say this? Why didn't I go off on someone? You know, why didn't I do that? And it's because it's not you. But, you know, you can live vicariously through the people that do that yes. on screen. Yes, it feels good. It's like a catharsis for us. Ooh, I don't get to say that to so-and-so's face, so I'm going to watch you do it. It's going to feel <laughs> really good. <laughs> I wish I could have jumped in Andy's body for just this last part of the movie because I'm going to say something that maybe is an unpopular opinion, but I think she should have stayed at the job. Do we know the timeline for how long she was there? I don't think we do. It feels like she was there for a bit and it seems like it would have been worth it just to stick it out. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Just with everything that she had endured, it kind of seems for nothing now. Well, no, that's a lie. It wasn't for nothing because of that whole last scene where that guy is hiring her and he's like, I got a fax and it said I'd be an idiot not to hire you, whatever. I don't know. It, it just seems like a step down. I have to wonder though if telling off Miranda pre is what made her so impressed with her because like nobody's ever stood up to her so like I have to wonder if like that is what made Miranda go like oh this girl can do it yeah true she just gets out of the limo and tosses her beeper into the fountain and leaves which by the way like was that necessary did we have to put the phone in a fountain for real <laughs> a little drama just saying yeah like could have just you know ignored the call turned it the off phone back in the purse yeah not thrown it in a fountain in Paris. It's fine. But I get it. You gotta, you gotta just like, that was her like mic drop. You have to go out with a bang. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I think, I think they did a really good job at making you hate Miranda, but oddly respect Miranda. You see how hardworking she is. You see that, I mean, unfortunately, her relationships don't really seem to last because she is sort of just, she embodies her job and she's always on the clock, it seems. So they do a good job at making you respect her and being like, okay, she's always doing something and she's always seemingly five steps ahead of you, but also still being like, do we have to be so cruel? <laughs> like, do we have to be this way? <laughs> yeah. I can respect it, but I don't like it. I think I read something one time that was like, if Miranda Priestley was a man, nobody would be commenting on how bossy or like you know how horrible she is I'm like I do Ooh. think there's something to that because it's like every you know movie and show or whatever like you have the CEO who's like this just awful dude who's bossing everyone around it's like we don't we don't call him out why are we calling Miranda out she's just trying to live her life and do her job but again like you can still be nice 
to people. Just the craziness of her even just walking into the building, the way that people prepare for her arrival, the sparkling water on the desk, has to have her Starbucks ready, just this insane checklist before she walks through the door. How did we get here? (laughs) What was the stepping stone? What happened first? (laughs) Because this is a lot. This is a whole grocery list of things to do before your boss gets here. Yeah. It was it was very cinematic. Yeah. We'll say that. I love when she says, I need 15 skirts from Calvin Klein. And she's like, which skirts? And she's like, <laughs> just looks at her. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, that look could kill. I would not want to receive that look ever, ever. But I don't know. I'm that psycho friend from the beginning where she's just like mooching off of all the gifts that Andy's getting. <laughs> That's me. I'm just like, oh, new purse. Oh, Clinique. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's me. I laugh because I know it's true. Yeah. <laughs> I would be that, not that I would be a bad friend, but I'd be like, come on, is this job so bad? Just stay because I would love the perks. (laughs) (laughs) So Paige, you know what you have to do. Okay, say less, I'm on it. I think you could do it, but like for TJ, because imagine. Oh my gosh. Imagine. Yeah. Is it bad I feel this way about like American Eagle? Like I walk in there, especially in the winter when they have all their cute sweaters and I'm like, man, to work here and get the cute stuff, even at like 20% off, like that's enough for me. You know, I'm like, it's the They've stepped win. up wow. their game. They they really have. They really have. We're so poverty. We're like talking about a movie involving <laughs> Vogue and <laughs> Runway and we're just like, yeah, American Eagle. <laughs> well, honestly, Listen. that is the perfect way to discuss the cerulean sweater monologue oh god that was the whole thing the whole point of that is that you know we all exempt ourselves from fashion because we're like oh we don't buy louis vuitton and yves saint laurent but then she's like that little sweater you picked out from your discount bin was influenced by people standing in this very room and it's like yes so true that's like i always joke about like i don't buy expensive clothes but man i'll go to tj and buy those expensive clothes for cheap you know what i mean like and that's what's so interesting too about the way that this movie was made was very like inside look at this fashion industry and i think that they did a really good job of the little peek behind the curtain it was good i think that's why i did not vibe with the book very well because they don't don't just dabble in that it was more of just so much fashion talk that I'm like what's happening like I don't <laughs> what's going on can you dumb it down for us regular I'm people but a mere mortal compared to this like what, what are we doing reminds me of when she's on the phone and she goes yes okay um can you spell Gabbana oh my god <laughs> that killed me that and I'm sorry, but how how under a rock do you have to be to not... There were some things where I'm like, okay, you're stretching it a little bit. <laughs> I can understand not knowing like maybe fashion, big fashion designer names, like the actual people maybe behind behind it all, but to not know like Gabbana. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like most females know that. Heck, my husband is pretty impressive, like knowing his brands. You know what I mean? Because that's just, if you want to be bougie, you'll know, you know? Exactly. I just feel like it's so around us now. And especially with me in Vegas, like just going anywhere, you just see people selling knockoffs everywhere and big name stores on the strip. It's quite daunting and it like it's alluring in a way where you want to go in and you're like wow I couldn't even afford to touch any of those things 
<laughs> I will steal a look, but that's where we're at. Did we already say our favorite characters? Y'all, I know I sound terrible. I just love Emily. Maybe it's because I love Emily Blunt okay. so much. I don't know. But I, I just think Emily is <laughs> just so wonderful. Like I said, I think I just try and vicariously live through all her passive aggressiveness. Paige lives that in real life. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, felt that. <laughs> I just, I forgot that Emily Blunt was in this movie. And when I saw that fire engine red hair, I was like, oh, sis. Oh, boy. <laughs> yep. 2006 aerial red hair we love to see it clearly she hasn't met jim from the office yet we'll give it a sec did you guys know okay wait i don't know the exact i might have this wrong but i'm pretty sure somehow her and stanley tucci are now related what yes okay i've gotta look this up someone married someone's sister-in-law or something new developing story here we go okay This just in, folks. In 2011, Stanley Tucci became engaged to Felicity Blunt. She is the older sister of Emily Blunt. Ooh. So they are now in-laws. Isn't that fascinating? That's actually kind of adorable. I would love to be related to Stanley Tucci. Right? Or Emily Blunt, for that matter. Can she just adopt me? (laughs) Honestly. Her and John, please. Oh, this film is going to Broadway. Did you guys know that? Ooh, I didn't. And I'm especially excited because Elton John has been signed on to do the music. So you know. Shut your mouth. Ange is going to be so into this. Uh, (laughs) Oh my gosh. Big Elton fan. Yep. You know there are going to be some slaps in there. What does a musical at Runway look like? (laughs) Right? I have no idea i'd go watch it oh for sure oh yeah it's no joseph in the technicolor wow. dream coat but <laughs> fun fact i was in that musical in eighth grade <laughs> not the broadway oh. one let's be clear like my high school dinky production <laughs> of it. <laughs> okay who were you what character i'm pretty sure i was just a dancer i wasn't super into theater y'all like i i wish i was i didn't do my first play like as a you know, professional until I was like 21. Theater terrified me because there's no editing. I can't like, they can't call cut and me go, that didn't feel very good. (laughs) But then I did a play and I was like, this is really fantastic. And there's actually something wonderful about the fact that like you can't stop. So I remember in elementary school, I played the head mouse. I don't even remember what the play was about. (laughs) My dad still has a photo of me decked out in like a mouse outfit and I have my screen. I'm holding it. I love and, that. Yeah, no. Why have I never seen this? <laughs> because I, I don't flaunt the fact that I was head mouse in a play page. Um, not <laughs> impressive. You know, I dabble. I dabble in the in the acting bit. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna message John and ask him to pull that one out for me. Oh my pull God. that one out of the vault. He oh, yeah. loves that photo. I'm basically wearing a helmet. Like it's a yellow helmet. I look like a mouse and I've got like a little chin strap that's Velcro, <laughs> so it would stay on my head. <laughs> and it was like that sixth is- grade. So they were like, Oh, you don't have to memorize your lines, just hold the hold the piece of paper. And yep, I'm on my knees to, you know, really get into <laughs> oh, character. <laughs> <laughs> there you go you little psycho yeah maybe i'll put it on our uh on our instagram oh you should please no do doubt. i'd like to see it as well so uh, it was my shining moment it was my debut yeah your big yes, break. yes yeah. your breakout oh, yeah. your breakout role <laughs> huge breakout role everyone wanted me 
<laughs> Paige, what was your favorite part of this movie? Well, it more so has to do with a favorite quote. Oh, God. So I'm going to go ahead and spill that. It was the floral for spring. Groundbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> that just, I, I felt like that just hit close to home. I don't know why. That just felt like something Paige would say if she were there. So I don't know. Just something super like, hey, that makes sense. That's normal. And then I'm just like, what? Yes, this is, this is everything. And you're like, what? I'll say it again. This movie has so many good quotes. So many, so many good quotes. I forgot about most of them. Obviously, you have like the super iconic ones, but just when I rewatched this, I was like, dang, that was another one. I love when Miranda says, by all means, move at a glacial pace. You know how much that thrills me. (laughs) (laughs) My best friend and I quote that to each other all the time. We'll be like, by all means, move at a glacial pace. You know how much that thrills me. Oh, I just, the sarcasm, passive aggressive. It's got just this perfect medley of let's go. Come on. And the fact that you say it with your best friend, like that's everything (laughs) a relationship should be. You know what I mean? If you can bag on anyone, it's your best friend. Facts. And then there's one thing she says too when she's talking about her coffee. And I was like, I just relate to this on a spiritual level. She's like, she said, I don't remember exactly, but I think she says, where's my coffee? Has she died? (laughs) Yeah. I feel that in the morning. I used to hate those people that were like, don't talk to me before my coffee. But I embody that person now. I feel like that meme of baby Groot when a drop of coffee touches my dark soul and he's like in little plant form and he's dancing. I'm addicted to coffee. There are days where I won't have it or I'll forget to have it and I get migraines because my body's like, no, no, caffeine, let's go. Honestly, I feel like at this point, I am so immune to caffeine that I just associate the the taste of coffee with this is going to get me through today. And that's more of the relationship that I have with it. Like I just drink it because I'm like, yes, this is what success and energy tastes like. It's not necessarily (laughs) what it does for my body. It's just a staple. It's it's like brushing your teeth. It's just an everyday routine. Yeah, mine is definitely exactly. placebo because I actually can't have caffeine. It what? massively triggers my anxiety. And so I've gone probably four years without caffeine. But I used to drink, I'm talking like I would buy the Starbucks jug at the grocery store and I could crush that thing in like two days. That's probably why I can't have caffeine anymore. I probably just like destroyed my... <laughs> nervous system (laughs) but anyway I drink decaf in the morning because I still love the taste of it so it's definitely placebo for me it's just like this is what I'm supposed to do in the morning and therefore my day can start that's so interesting yeah my body can only react to caffeine and coffee form like I'm not an energy drink person we have a troubled past it's a mistress for sure I do remember that day didn't Ryan have to come like pick you up from work like even drive home no (laughs) Yeah. My boss was like, I I can't let you drive home. And I was like, that's a good idea because I may have a heart attack. So let's just honestly what a homie too. A boss that like wouldn't let you drive like that. Like that's that's really sweet. I was the only one who ever wanted to work morning shift. So he knew he needed me and he's like, You're not dying on my watch. <laughs> Take notes, Miranda Priestley. Take notes. Miranda, Miranda, Miranda. I have such a love-hate relationship with her. There are moments in the movie where I'm like, yes, queen. And other moments where I'm like, can I throw you in the nearest dumpster? Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't we end with the iconic Miranda Priestley? 
that's all like disgusted super dismissive like, yeah like i could not care less about what you just said that's all just really cold-hearted get out of my face yes okay right. yes i can work with that three two one go that's, that's all, all. Amazing. (laughs) Someone sign me on to a movie now because that was my best work. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Lauren, where can the people find you? People can find me on Instagram. I have one of those at Lauren H. Wright's page. The people can find me on Instagram, page.hollandsworth. And then our podcast page is and here's why underscore pod. But most importantly, Megan, where can the guest find you? They can find me on Instagram at Megan McGowan. I do have a website. It's MeganMcGowan.com. You can see some of my work there, pictures and fun things like that. Buy all the shirts with my face on them. I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> Well, thank you so much for coming on and diving into this as we have decided it's a cult classic. Yeah, that got really intense, but there's no one we would have rather got into that with than you, Megan. So thank you guys so much. This was such a fun thing to do in quarantine. It's always so fun for me to look at like older movies like that, even though, I mean, 2006, I'm still going to consider it as like an older movie, just to see how the times have changed and how we look at certain comments and we're like, ooh, let's let's not say that anymore. (laughs) 